Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, and I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly, and what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a theme surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now for from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code Next Level, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Hey, this is Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Chris Barnell. Hey, this is TJ Fines. Hey y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Next Level Radio. Have fun. It's time for the Showcast. And now, here they are, those pop culture junkies and your hosts, Ben Beck. Adam Gorey, and Steve Richards. Hey everybody, welcome into this, the latest episode of the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Adam Gorey, joined by Ben Beck, and we are really excited to, uh, to speak to Christopher Titus today. He is our guest for this episode because not only will he be coming... To town to talk uh, or to uh, perform he'll be coming to both philadelphia and bethlehem area uh, at the end of july which is july 27th through 29th at helium july 30th at steel stacks but i personally was a big fan of his sitcom back in the early 2000s titus so what i'd like to welcome on christopher titus chris how's it going man thanks good thanks that's always funny to go to the early 2000s back in 1940 before world <laughs> war one christopher titus had a tv show he was amazing he was funny it was groundbreaking and now he's still around he hasn't died here we go christopher titus sounds like one of those old radio broadcasts in the early 2000s <laughs> yeah i mean like it's 2017 that was like it doesn't feel like that, that long was a while ago. it was i know it's crazy I don't feel that much older than that show, honestly. Then again, on the show, I was writing on it. I was, uh, I, w- I was uh, starring in it. And I was doing all that promo for it too. So I was, I felt older on the show. There's, it's weird if you look at the, go look at Norman Rock. How I looked at Norman Rockwell's Bleeding, which is like right after the show is done, and then go look at the last special. I actually look younger than I did because <laughs> they, they were just killing me. Fox, Fox was sucking the life out of me, man. <laughs> that was yeah. That was one thing. I mean, like, look, I, I was. 13 when that thing came out but i still watched it uh credit that to good parenting but um <laughs> right you know what was that like because you know it it's it's tough to get your own sitcom i know it it seems like a lot of comedians end up having it at some point but what was that like kind of ha- and for three seasons too i mean it wasn't like a one and done yeah i was kind of shocked recently it's interesting how, how how the business works like um like gerard carmichael just lost his show and i was like shocked at that because it was so the same thing as Titus was. It was highly rated. High, it was it was kind of groundbreaking in some ways. And then, like the network, at the end of the day, man. And someone said this a long time ago. Television just eats. Television yeah. just, doesn't care. It doesn't. If you know, I mean, come on. They had a show where there was a, the, the Fall Guy. Where it was a stuntman who solved crimes. Come on, man. There was there's been so much <laughs> crap on TV, and they don't care. They don't care if it's good or if it's crap. And I think people have this weird. 
just with what I've been involved with, they if it's all they care if it's popular, it could be as all the housewife shows show. They don't care if you if you're groundbreaking or changing people's minds. They look at those numbers at the end of the week, and uh, and for me it was. I sold the show because I wanted to do something different. I hated sitcoms. To this day, I hate sitcoms. I hate bad sitcoms. You know, everything kind of opened up uh, after Titus and Malcolm, but, we, you know, the talking to the camera thing and using the black and white mm-hmm. and, you know, making it, we, we filmed it on one set. Um, so we did so much different stuff. I think at one point, Fox was just like, what the hell are these guys doing? I don't think they had any concept of what we were up to. I mean, when you walk into a network and you go, you go, hey, we want to do an episode where we get my uh, father who stopped drinking to start drinking again because now he's really an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wait. And they go, what? Go, yeah, we want to have an intervention to get him drinking again. <laughs> they were just like, what is wrong with you guys? And then we did an AIDS episode where my dad tricked me into thinking I had contracted HIV. We did... We did a molestation episode where my niece had been molested, and Titus goes after the dude with a bat in the school bathroom. Like we were doing some on the show that if you if you break it down, <laughs> my dad had a heart attack on the show and died, and then we brought him back to life. And as he's going towards the pearly gates, they shut all the lights off. Like <laughs> it, 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 we're in this weird. They shut the lights off, and they're like, and and so we're pitching. Here's here's how here's how here's what I talk about networks not caring about art. They really don't. There's one guy that does. There's a guy named John Landgraf over at um, FX, and he's really good. He actually cares. He's, he, he's the guy who okayed Louie and stuff. He kind of cares. So we're doing this episode, and, and we're worried about it because basically Stacey Keach dies. At, based on a true story that happened with my dad and I, we went to the Bahamas. I took my dad to the Bahamas. He had had like three heart attacks, and I, I wanted to hang out with him, and he didn't want to hang out with me. He just wanted to gamble. So, I, so my wife goes, go gamble with him. So I gamble with him, and literally two hands, my dad goes, get away from me. Bad luck. So that's the true story. So we based the whole episode on that. And in the episode, I said, you know, he starts winning. Uh, and he said, because my dad really won that night. After I walked away, he came up with a wad. He's like, look what I did. So what we did was we wrote the, the, the episode. That was the true story. The real story, I mean, the, the fake story, the, the sitcom story was in the middle of winning, my dad's arm goes numb and he's on a winning streak. So he won't go to the medics. He's actually having a heart attack and continues to play poker. <laughs> and, and, and we're trying to get him off the table, which is making him mad, which is making it worse. He finally has a heart attack, falls off the table, lays there, dies. We go into the pearly gates, and we're all freaked out because it's Christian imagery, and we were, in, and it was Fox, and so we're panicking. I'm like, I'm going, I go, they're going to pull this whole entire thing. I go, you watch, guys, they're going to kill this episode. So we're all stressed. We go to the, we, they, they see the run through. We go to the, the, the little review of it with the network and they go and this is this is exactly this is how networks work that current guy was a guy named tony octagon which is sound like you, your parents shouldn't name you after a bond villain um, <laughs> and, and he goes uh he goes i want to talk to you about the uh the, the the casino scene i said okay here it comes and he goes uh cynthia watchers is in the scene and he goes it's in, it's in the bahamas right and i go yeah and he goes uh is cynthia watchers going to be wearing a bikini and I, I went, what? And he goes, because we want to get the tiniest bikini that's acceptable uh, by standards. Um, so I'd like to see the bikini. We need to prove the bikini. And I go, wait, do you really care about we just killed a major character and sent him into the pearly to the light? And they're like, no, no, it's all right. Does he, does he survive at the end? Like they had even. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah we revive him. Okay. <laughs> All they cared about was how much, how much of Cynthia's titties are we going to show? Uh, 
point is, is it going to be enough to keep the numbers up? You know, so at one point, and I'm just getting this talk with you guys, people say, you're going to do another TV show, and I said, yeah, I would, but, like, I want to do something with Billy Gardell. Billy Gardell is a friend of mine. Him and I, whenever we're in something together, we're ridiculously funny together, so I'm working on an idea for that. But TV is so, man, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, they really don't care if it's artistic. They just, they just, they just care if it's going to bring the numbers. So, uh, and, and the only way to save your soul is to make sure that it's good. So Titus, I just kept going as far as we could go, man. You know, we did well, how many episodes? We did fifty-four episodes. We did episodes about pretty much everything. We did an episode where my dad and I started telling we we my girlfriend wanted us to see, wanted to want us to get along, so she told each of us that the other one had bone cancer. So we're in this truck talking about cancer for half an hour. <laughs> except neither one of us has cancer, it, and it was, I'm proud of the show, man, I gotta be honest, I'm yeah. really proud of the show, I wish, I, I wish, I wish in the meeting with the third network president that we had in three years, that I had just shut the fuck up, <laughs> I had just done that, but, you know, I, but, I, she wanted to change the show anyway, and I guess maybe, maybe if they should change the show, it wouldn't have been as fun to do, but, you know, but I, I but I'd have an, I'd have a plane, I'd have an airplane right now, so there's a difference. <laughs> To, to this day, my dad and I will still go, Doom Buggies, woohoo! As like by far one of my favorite episodes. I actually bought. I bought as I, when the show got out. I found an old Myers Manx and I restored it and I have it for my kids. Oh, nice! That's awesome. That's, That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you, now, and, no, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, and the, so the show, you know, the show was the show. It's it's something I'm real proud of. It's it's still the crazy thing about the show is like. It didn't end up in the discount bin at Walmart. You, you, to buy it, it's like eighty to hundred bucks. Yeah, for the wow. box set. And, oh my god! And at Christmas, like it went like a couple years ago, it was two hundred fifty. I was like, I was like, oh, I, now I don't get that money, but but at least at least what I did, what we did, because we had an amazing crew. What we did actually kind of stood the test of time. It's been seventeen years, and people are still paying a hundred bucks for it. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and and and, and, Fo and Fox was relatively known for, um, you know, it, it's a network that we've we've built a, you know, especially like FX and stuff. We have a good relationship with them, but I mean, Fox is well known for cutting shows short. Um, yeah, you know, so I mean, unfortunately, that was one of the ones that was that was susceptible to that. But I, I want to go back because you mentioned both Billy Goodell, Billy Goodell, and Cynthia Watros, who it, this is a good opportunity to talk about Special Unit because they're both in Special Unit with you. I used every favor I could and every <laughs> little bit of friendship. I, I, I yeah, every everything. I could. Uh, yeah, they are. We wrote. I wrote Special Unit. We did a pilot for Comedy Central in those six, and it didn't go. It, it's online now. You can still see it. And we and I wrote that script, and Brian Cranston of all people directed it. And oh, wow. the network was like the network again. The network was like they were just scared to death of it. They were just scared. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, it, it, for people that don't know, the whole premise of the movie is. Due to the Fairness and Disabilities Act, the LAPD have to hire four handicapped undercover detectives, and it's by, and I'm I'm Nick Nolte's mugshot. I'm by far the worst cop in LA, <laughs> and and I'm a loser alcoholic who calls them retards. And he, even Comedy Central, which runs South Park, is like, yeah, we don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it took them, the weird thing is, it took them eight months to say no. They kept they 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 knew there was something there, and they kept saying. You know, yes, and then they would say no, and they would say yes, and they would say no. It was kind of, it was really kind of schizophrenic of them for a while. They finally said no, and here's the weirdest story about the pilot. About three, four months after they said no, again, really disappointing, because I have a lot of friends who are disabled, and I wanted to do it for them. And uh, and so 
we go to, uh, I'm in Starbucks one day, and you can see how network, again, this is how networks work. This is why TV scares me a little bit. Basically, networks, when they do a show, they, they finish the show, and instead of someone smart going, you know, this is a good show, let's run it. They go, I, I don't know if it's a good show, and I don't want to take responsibility. Let's go hire 35 people, pay them 55 bucks from off the street, let them sit in a room, watch it, and let's hear what they think. Yeah. So uh, that's how TV works. That, that's, and it, by the way, if that worked, every, every show would still be on. They'd still be running Bonanza, but it, does, <laughs> but it doesn't. It, it, testing doesn't work. So anyway, yeah. so uh, I'm in – one of the notes on the pilot was they didn't like the guy with – someone didn't like the guy with the stutter. They said, if you think he stutters too much, it bothers me a little bit, blah, blah, blah. That was a note they gave me. And I was like, well, that's part of the funny. He's a Sherlock Holmes genius who can't get out what he sees. That's that's the whole funny part of it. Frustration is funny. Anyway, so whatever. I'm in Starbucks and I get my drink and I'm standing at the at the station where they hand me the drink and the woman goes, "Oh my god!" And I went, I was like, "Oh great!" And she goes, I, "I go, how did you see it?" She goes, "Oh, um, they paid us to go in this room and watch it and we had to give notes on it." And I said, "Oh, you're in the test group." She goes, "She goes, yeah, I really didn't like the guy uh, with the stutter." And and I and, and then she goes, "Here's your latte." I was like, "Really? Is that how it works?" <laughs> My barista made a decision <laughs> on my television show. So at that point, you start going, I wonder how big of a bullet would it take to put in my brain to kill me? Because that's, that's so frustrating. Uh, that is so, crazy. So that's why, yeah, it is kind of nuts. So so now, so now it's come 10 years later. And I've been telling Michael Aronin, who's in the movie, he's, he's got cerebral palsy, and then Deborah Carrington, who's, who's a little person, and, uh, and hey, that we're doing this movie. Well, I've just got to get it done. I've got to figure it out. So I started the company, uh, Combustion Films, and I wrote, I rewrote the script, and I had script for a couple of years, and I'd been talking. You know, you know, when you say you're going to do something, and you even know deep down you're really not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you know, what I'm talking about where you lie. Yep. I call it lying to yourself. I'm <laughs> lying to myself. Um, and I, and I, and I, but I kept telling everybody I was going to do it. We're going. I'll find a way. I'll find a way. And in my heart, I wanted to do it. I was down in. Um, I was. This happened twice. I was in a mall. And there was this people walking, and all of a sudden I see the crowd in front of me parting. And as as they're parting, this dude in a wheelchair comes by, and he's wearing gloves, and he's got the he's like the high performance wheelchair guy, and he's and he's got the cool wheelchair, and he's, but he's looking at the ground, and nobody's looking at him. And I, and it was weird. I got something in that moment, and I noticed that nobody would look at the guy. And I, people aren't mean. I know why people do it. They they've been told their whole lives don't stare, don't bother them, you know, mm-hmm. don't you know, don't don't make them feel weird. So instead, what people do is they look away totally. Which now right. you're living in a world with nobody, rec- you're not even alive. No one even acknowledges your existence. Mm-hmm. So as the dude rolled past me, I go, how's it going, brother? And the dude looked up, and then he looked around, and then he looked back at me and goes, hey. Like he was shocked that someone talked to him. Yeah. And then that happened once, and I, I kind of got a different insight into what it means to be disabled. And then I was in San Diego, same thing. Crossing the street, woman across the street, she was, she was missing a leg, she was in a wheelchair. She had that weird flesh good sock over her stump, and she had a... She wore a flower dress. I got it. It's vivid. And she had her purse in her lap, and she was looking down at the ground. And the light turned green, and she didn't move. And I crossed the street on, from the other side. As I passed her, I said, how's your day going, kid? And this woman looks up at me, and she doesn't say hi. She says, thank you. And I was like, I was kind of wow. stunned. She was, she was happy that I acknowledged she was on the planet Earth. And, <laughs> yeah, and I really. kind of, that was. That was the day I decided that no matter what I have to do, if I have to, if, if my kids have to be sold to, 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 to a Russian, rich <laughs> Russian family, whatever it takes, I'm going to get this movie made. And so now it's made, and it's coming out October 11th. 
Yeah, that's that's great. And I know when we watched the trailer for it, uh, Adam and I were talking about it. it. It kind of it reminded us a little bit of I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Ringer with uh, Johnny Knoxville. Um, you know, where it, it's one of those things that as long as you're putting a positive light on what these people can actually accomplish, there's nothing wrong with a little humor behind this. Yeah, we, you know, it's funny, it's funny you bring up that, because The Ringer, I talked to, so here's the weirdest story about the movie. Uh, I'm, I, one night, we're getting ready to, we're like two months away from shooting it, we've already started pre-production, and my phone lights up one day and it says, uh, hey, it's Peter Farrelly, can you call me? I don't know Peter Farrelly, like Peter Farrelly, Brother Farrelly? And my wife was standing across the counter and I go, I go, Peter Farrelly just texted me, and she goes, why are you whispering? He can't hear you. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was weird, and I, and, I, and I found out that Michael Ronan, who's new, who knew uh, Jackie Flynn, who's in the movie, and Jackie had already been cast, uh, uh, had uh, they had a screener of the original pilot, sent it to Peter Farrelly. Peter Farrelly watched it, found out we were doing a movie, called, wanted to talk to me about the script. So Peter Farrelly goes, "Can I see the script?" And I said, uh, "Hell yeah!" Again, as much as I hate network executives, and here's why I hate network executives: none of them have ever told a joke, none of them have ever done you know, done a thousand shows in front of an audience. None of them have written a script. None of them got an audience to laugh. So how the hell are you giving me advice? On the other hand, Peter Farrelly has done some of the some of my top five funniest movies of all time. Kingpin still kills me. Oh, God, I, I love that movie. Uh, so you want to hear the funny thing they did, and I talked to him about it. Uh, Kingpin, uh, I was on an airplane once watching it. And in airplanes, they have to. They used to have to expurgate the movies. You couldn't swear, you know, because they would show them on the, on the screen above them before they had a screen in every seat. Yeah. So Peter Farrelly, Peter and Bobby Farrelly, they replaced every swear word in Kingpin with the word sandwich. <laughs> so every time somebody, and it was, dude, it was deadpan. I'm in, I'm in the plane, and I'm hysterically laughing because he goes, you mother sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I sent, sent Farrelly the script. He says, I love the script. Can I give you notes? And I said, sure. I was in Denver. He called me. Calls me around noon. I got. My, I'm ready. Got my computer. I'm gonna take notes on the script. He's gonna give me jokes. I'm get. I'm getting jokes from the master. That's what I'm thinking. Peter Fairley then proceeds to blowtorch my script like no executive has ever done in my life. He basically tore up 80 pages of the script, and I had to start over. And here's the weird thing: is because he did that, and I could have got an attitude. My old Titus would have said like, you know, dude, f you. I know what this is, but it was Peter Fairley. Peter Farrelly said it, and I said, okay, and I, and I basically threw out 80 pages and had to start over. That's, I mean, it was it, and I mean, was it constructive criticism, or was he genuinely... No, just... no, no, he didn't, he, no, no, he was great, he's the nicest guy in the world, he's okay. great, he's great. As a matter of fact, he wasn't mean about it at all, he, he there was one note he gave me, because when I first wrote the script, it was really, it was much more Austin Powers, it was much more wild, crazy... Even the bad guys were... I, what I did was I tried to write a movie where I could put as many disabled actors in it as possible. Um, and so even the bad guys were disabled. It was like this, this guy in a wheelchair, this kind of Stephen Hawking genius who was psychotic, and he, had all, and he only hired disabled people, and he was, trying to, he was trying to make all buildings convenient. It was just a kind of... It was a big, crazy, weird, often power-esque kind of villain story. And Peter, <laughs> Peter comes to me and he goes, so you're trying to point out that these people are cops, and because they're cops, they can do the same thing as regular cops do. And I go, yeah. And he goes, then how come they can only take down disabled bad guys? And it was one of those notes that blew out. It just literally took the entire thread of the script and ripped it apart. So I had to rewrite 80 pages of it. 
And without yeah. him doing that, and what it ended, what ended up happening was the movie ended up way more real. It ended up way more grounded and way more real. And um, and because of that, it's way funnier. And Peter Fairley, so then he goes, so I finished that script, I sent it to him, and he goes, I love this. Can I give you notes? And I was like, oh, God, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, like, I literally started to panic. I, I broke out in the highs. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want any more notes. I just And my pre-production guys, we, my pre-production guys are flipping out because if I have to rewrite it again, we don't have the set. We're not. We're right, we're going to shoot in a couple weeks. So right. he calls me. Uh, I set up the next day. I called me at noon, and he goes, "All right, man. Uh, page sixty-six." And he goes, "I got a joke here. Uh, page seventy-four. Got a joke here. Page eighty. Got a joke here. Great job." And I asked him. I go. I go. Hey, I don't know why you're doing this because you and I don't know each other. I've mean, still never met him. I've only talked to him on the phone. I said, "But why are you doing this?" He goes, "Because we got it wrong in the ringer." He goes, "We." We got it wrong, and he goes. I took a lot of heat for that movie, and he said, "I, I when I saw the pilot, I thought you were closest I've ever seen to getting this right." Oh wow! And so he and I said, "Do you want to be a producer or anything?" He goes, "No." I goes, "I just wanted to help you get it right." Oh wow! That's I mean, and I that's, hope we did. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. A, that's a pretty stand up thing for him to to come out and do too. I mean, especially having never met you before or anything like that, and didn't want any credit for it, which is amazing. Yeah, because I think he knows that we're going to get a lot of shit for this movie. <laughs> yeah, especially nowadays. <laughs> well, but I mean, like I said, well, you know, comparing it to The Ringer, like, I, mean, I know there was a lot of people that might have given that movie shit as well, but I that's personally, like, I love that movie, and it's not because of the fact that it's humor against handicaps or anything like that. But again, it's one of those things that it shines a positive light on these people. So uh, there's nothing wrong with that humor as long as you're actually shining positively on them. Yeah, it's well placed. Yeah, dis- disabled people won't be pissed about the movie. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be like, hell yeah! It's the people that think they represent disabled people. Out of yes, America. yes. <laughs> you know, it'll be, it'll be the PC, the PC squad, which is really, you know, which is really just like the thought police. Which I think we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly liberal in a lot of things, and, and uh, conservative in some things. But I think at the end of the day, you're wasting. Like, like my character uses the word retard all the time, uh, and, t- and and there's a scene in the credits at the end. Where it kind of where he stops using it and ends it, and someone else who uses it gets trashed. He never used it. I, I just think this: the only way you can make a difference. I could I could have written a movie where there was a bunch of sage Yodas in wheelchairs, or some guy with some real insight because he's had a hard life because of his CP. And, but those movies are Hallmark movies, and they don't change your mind. I wanted to write this movie for all those fucking douchebags that use the word retard and say it with anger and say it with mean and think those people are less than. Because this movie, there's some wild shit in it, and those people are going to watch this movie thinking that's what they're going to get. Yeah. And once we, you know, preaching to the choir is easy. I want to get the guys that treat disabled people badly and watch this movie, laugh their ass, and go, holy shit, I've been, I've, I've fucked, I went wrong. You know, I was, I, wow, I never thought of it like that. That's, that's that's the only reason you do it, and, you know. And, and 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 so, someone said something recently. They said, "Don't do a movie unless you have passion for it. Don't just do a movie. Do a movie because because you have passion for it." And this is something like my buddy Mike. There's a, if you guys go to and anybody listen, if you go to um, my YouTube channel, Christopher Titus TV, go to the word retard. It's a story about Mike and I at a restaurant where the waitress. Just because he's got CP, which is not a degenerative disease and it doesn't affect his brain, she thought he was so disabled that she thought he didn't understand English and couldn't under, couldn't speak. So she started asking me, you got to watch the bit. 
because Mike trashed the restaurant. <laughs> 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 he fucking trashed the restaurant. You gotta watch it. Yeah, but, yeah and then I'm on the new tour. But, yeah, we'll have to link it. We'll link it in the. We we have ways that we can link it in the podcast description. So we'll have to make sure we do that for yeah, sure. And, and the movie comes out October 11th. We want everybody to, to watch it because we're doing it. We're doing it on our own. We we finally got a distribution deal with some company. I don't know if we're going to take it or we're going to release it ourselves. And um, and a lot of people are scared. To <laughs> they think the movie's funny. They're like they're like this movie's really funny. It's really good. Like, are you guys going to release it? There's no way my company could release it. <laughs> <laughs> Five times in it. You call them wobblies. I go. I go. I know, but at the end, they're they're like part of my crew, and I stand up to the mayor for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's getting to that point. You know, it's like everyone has that. Everyone's so worried about what the world is going to say, and I'm not. I want. I actually want people to get pissed. I want them to laugh their ass off, and I want some people to get pissed. If I don't piss off some people, whether it's stand-up comedy or this movie or a TV show, if I don't make somebody angry. You know, one percent. Then I didn't write hard enough. Then I didn't push it far enough. And yeah. I, you know, what's the point of just the same old bullshit, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, Trust exactly. Me, the, nowadays, I have a feeling you will have no problem pissing at least one person off. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like everything that happens pisses somebody off. But hey, um, before we let you get going, I, you know, you're coming to town to, to do your tour, which is uh, it's based off your latest special, right, Amerigeddon? American, yeah, American. You know, people said, Titus, you know, don't, don't, comics even say, dude, don't do politics. I'm like, I, I can't, I'm not that guy. I can't just, uh, I can't just decide what I'm going to do it. Either it comes to me or it doesn't. And as this election went on, I think this election pissed me off. I can't believe that we were fighting over these idiots. I mean, half of us wanted this <laughs> arrogant pantsy wearing, ro- arrogant pantsy wearing robot. I call her She3PO. And Ken was just like, and what the hell were those square jackets she was wearing? Who was her fashion? Was she running as Lego Hillary? What the hell was that? <laughs> I never even thought of that before. That's so great. <laughs> oh, Somebody I should love make that. a movie. Lego should make a movie. Lego and Hillary. Other, and, the, <laughs> and the other half wanted this arrogant, delusional, corndog-colored rodeo clown. <laughs> and, and, that's what we were, and that's why we were pissed at each other. And, and so... And, 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 you know, families were getting, like, hating each other, and, and I just, so I wanted to kind of, the thing about the show is that I wrote it, and a lot of it was, because like, Trump is so easy and trash. He's so easy to go after, especially if any comic worth of salt could just do an hour on that alone. The problem with that is then you lose half the audience. So when I wrote the show, I broke it in in Alabama. Oh, I didn't mean to. I, didn't, I just didn't check where I was going. So I wrote this <laughs> whole show about like kind of anti-Trump and then they I go because I, they haven't been doing this 30 years like, so on Wednesday I go where am I going tomorrow and they go Alabama I was like oh shit oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> and, then I, and then I thought well I could just do my old show Born to Defect you know and I thought no nah, that's not who I am I don't puss out like that so I went to Alabama and I get to Birmingham okay with it I went to Birmingham first uh, you know and I was actually reading the jokes off the paper which I think that's why I got over because they were shocked that I could read they were like he looked at the hyper and then he says what it says it's magic so <laughs> I get to do that one and then I went to and then I went to Huntsville and Huntsville Huntsville's a weird town man because it's rocket scientists and rednecks because they're all that space up there so you get people in Huntsville that are like, yeah, we figured out the orbit of Alpha Centauri for the next 1,500 years, and my mama makes a damn good cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing it there, and, uh, and, this is what I, and this is when I got what the show is about. The show's not about Trump, and it's not about politics right or left. It's about bringing America together, reminding us 
that we are not us and them. We're not Democrats and Republicans. We are we. We are Americans. That's it. That's, that, was, that was the entire point of the show. But I didn't get it till this night. And here's how comedy heals. So I'm doing the, I'm doing the show, and there's, everyone's laughing. Uh, and there's, uh, there's this one table, though, that's pissed. There's eight of them there. And they look like they swamp boated in, man. These people, <laughs> I swear to God. These people look like a couple of them had gator, gator recipes on them. You want fried gator? I can make fried gator. So, and, I, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating. One dude's got a full-on Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazard beard, and I keep calling him Duck Dynasty the whole show. I keep just calling him Duck Dynasty, which the audience laughs at. He doesn't laugh at, but I think it's because he thinks I'm complimenting him. <laughs> <laughs> Then you got the dude next to him. The dude next to him is literally wearing a red, white, and blue jersey that says 45 on the back, and at the top it says Trump. And I'm doing this show. There's a joke I do in the show. Um, I talk about how ridiculous we were all reacting to Hillary. You know, because he said, I, didn't, I, I just couldn't vote for Hillary. I go, why? She's the most qualified we, we, you know, we ever had with her with a government service. Ah, I just couldn't vote. I didn't like her. And I was like, well, I don't like my plumber either, but my house doesn't smell like shit because of him. <laughs> But my, but my plumber's kind of a prick. He really is. Uh, so, so here's what happens. So I'm doing this. So, so one of the jokes, one of the jokes is I said, and I don't want no woman either. You know, uh, I don't care. What, and, and the joke is this: we didn't want a vagina in the White House, so we voted for the other side of the taint. <laughs> uh, the best part is that's 100 percent true. It is. It's all true. That's a solid joke, right? Yeah. Oh well, God, yeah. That joke. These, these people who have been pissed the whole show, the dude with the beard goes, huh, all right, God damn it, that's funny. I'm like, yes, comedy, comedy heals. So, you know, the show, if you're if you're hardcore right wing and you think I'm just going to trash Trump, there's a little bit of it. But I go after everybody. I do a couple Obama jokes because he gave back Iraq. You know, after we spent three trillion, he just gave it back. I was Obama thinking, uh, well, let's get out, guys. Hey, can we leave Paul Blark here? Somebody, maybe a yard lady with a gun? Shouldn't we just watch this? No, 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 people are fine. Don't worry. These people in the Middle East, they've worked everything out for 5,000 years. They get along great. We'll just let it go. Oh, my. That should should totally be a Paul Blart sequel. It's got to be Paul Blart Part 3. Really, it should. (laughs) Paul Blart and Mosul. (laughs) Oh, I would love it. The funny thing about that is that I found, found, um, I'm independent 100%. Uh, and I talk about that in the show, but I found that because Trump is kind of blowing it really on a daily basis. I don't know how you fuck up 185 times in 160 days. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> the only people happy are, are, are Charlie Sheen and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> but, <laughs> so the Republicans, though, what I'm finding is the conservatives are laughing at the Trump jokes, but I do that one Obama piece and the liberals lock up, dude. It's crazy. And I have to stop and lecture them. I go, listen, we, I've had conservatives laughing at their guy all night. If you guys can't laugh at Obama, you guys are the ones with the problem. And it kind of flips the whole show for a second. It's a, it's a trip how everybody holds on to their bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, awesome. and, and I'm like you. I'm an independent, too. I, 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 was, I felt, That's three of us. I, I, felt this, I felt the same way that we were kind of screwed no matter which way we voted, even though I did vote for Obama before. But if I'm at your show, and I actually do plan on coming to one of your shows at Helium, um, it's if I'm at your show, if a joke is funny, I don't care if it's for the person I'm with, I, I voted for or against the person I voted for. If a joke is funny, I'm going to laugh. Right. Right. This this show this show took a different turn after Alabama though because I went Alabama, North Carolina, Texas, and and it really made me. You know, my job as a comedian is not to piss off a segment; it's to challenge them 
but also get them to laugh at it. So Because if they laugh at it, it's acceptance. My job as a comic has, has never been to, you know, ah, fuck these guys. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I, I don't mind... I don't mind making them like lean in like what the fuck is he saying? Like I don't I don't mind starting to piss them off. To trade like that's what I did with Arm the Children. Arm the Children like Arm the Children what I wanted to do is like the liberals were like fucking Arm the Children and then they started to realize I was making fun of it and it switched because the conservatives thought I was on their side. The liberals at the beginning the liberals thought I was I was not on their side and then by the end of the bit I totally flip it and it just pissed everybody off and that's perfect. If I can piss <laughs> everybody off that's good. But I don't want to selectively piss people off. I want to make sure that everybody goes a little angry. So, this show, so I figured out that this show, had, I had to write this show to make it, to make everybody, because the point is, look, look, at the end, of, there's a bit I wrote in this show called They, uh, they We, Them. They run shit. They've always run shit. They, they, they're, the ones, they're the ones who crashed the economy. They're the ones who, 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 who started the wars. I mean, you guys never started a war, right? Any of you guys crashed the economy? Not that I know of. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, I like that. There's still but there's a question mark though. Maybe. 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 I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, so, so, but so I talk about they, and then they made everyone believe it's us and them instead of we. And then, and whenever we turn on they, whenever we get together as a country and turn on they to fix things, they always invent a new them. Like right now, we are all worried about a little fat Asian North Korean them who's supposedly going to nuke us. Well, I got to be honest. Are you guys afraid of North Korea? Because I can throw a frisbee farther than North Korea can launch a fucking missile. <laughs> I, doesn't I don't lose any sleep over it? So no, no. The thing is that we're all afraid. They always invent a new them. Like we're supposed to be afraid of Syria too, but Syria, Syria has been fighting a group of people who are who are holding them down, and they're fighting out of Toyota pickup trucks. So are we really two rednecks from Tennessee with tanks would fuck that whole country up? So so it's all bullshit, and that's. I was trying to, I think Carlin, Carlin's, Carlin and Robin Williams are both heroes of mine, and they would always have no problem about diving into this stuff. So I, I'm trying to do it in a way that just doesn't, try to do it smart, but also accessible, and, and you know, and just make my points, man. I don't know. It's yeah. a funny show. I got two standing ovations in the last two weeks. Three standing oh, ovations, awesome. actually. I just that... did it. And I just did New Orleans. I did Louisiana, and I got a standing ovation, which means I really nailed it. Like, I'm doing the Jedi mind trick on these rednecks. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're coming to town, uh, like Ben said, Helium, July 27th through 29th, and again, uh, Steel Stacks, which is in Bethlehem, July 30th. So we'll uh, we'll definitely keep our eye out for that because that's coming up in a couple weeks here, right around the corner. And then both, uh, uh, both great rooms, by the way. I don't know if you've played either Helium or Steel Stacks before. Yeah, they are. They're both great rooms. I love Helium. Helium's got that thing, that low ceiling, so it's like the it's what I imagined comedy was in the '60s, where the laughter just kind of rolls from the back on you. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and Steel Sacks is good too. We've seen uh, a show or two there, and it's 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 a newer, somewhat newer, um, you know, last several years. I don't think they've been around as long as Helium, but it's a it's an absolutely great venue. Good man. But, well, that, that's thanks for telling me that, man. My uh, my East Coast. Uh, the thing about the East Coast is really funny to me is that those people, you guys, don't take a whole lot of bullshit. Like if comedy's <laughs> great, you guys are the most loyal audience. If it ain't, if, if some comics half assing it. You guys shut down like I've never seen. Polite <laughs> <That's great. laughs> okay. is not your forte. Let's no. just leave it there. No, <laughs> especially not in the Philadelphia area. Not at all. Never, never claimed. <laughs> never claimed to be either. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm proud uh, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Everyone listening can also follow you on Twitter at Titus Nation and then uh, ChristopherTitus.com. I believe I saw 
uh, most of my, all of your past specials are on there, right? Yeah, you can actually get them, and they're all HD. They're actually higher quality than the DVDs. If you go to uh, ChristopherTitus.com, and they're all like an hour, and out between an hour and 30 and an hour and 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, and the newest one, uh, Born with a Defect, which I did last year, is uh, probably one of my best. Comedy Central didn't like it because it was about kids. Um, but it's, but it's, if, as I said in the show, if you don't, if you have your parent, it's therapy. If you don't have kids, it's 90 minutes of birth roll. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I love it. And then, uh, also people can check out your podcast. You have a podcast as well. Titus podcast. So Titus podcast um, doing real well. We're we're almost at 6 million downloads. Yeah, we're doing well. That is awesome, dude. Well, hey, we wish you the, we wish you the best of luck and we, we really appreciate you spending some, uh, some time with us and we'll have to get you back on sometime maybe closer to october when uh when the movie comes out please let me call back in october and horror the movie again oh absolutely yeah because we still got yeah we we absolutely could fill another easily another hour with you so we'll definitely have to have you back on for sure the good news about me is i don't know how to shut up so uh, thanks guys (laughs) no it's fine absolutely and uh thank you for listening to the showcast uh make sure you check out nextleveradioonline.com for the other podcasts on the network and we will see you next time